It's really good to see everyone. If you're new, my name is Josh. I'm actually the student minister, and I honestly feel super blessed and privileged to be able to stand uh, before you today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 14. Um, If you don't have your Bible, it will be on the screens behind me. Um, It's going to take me a few minutes to get to the text, so I need you just to bear with me for a few minutes. But when we get there, it'll be 1 Samuel uh, 14. So We've talked a lot about small groups already, and the reason is because today is the first day of official signups. And I just feel uh, urged to be super blunt uh, right here, but we don't promote small groups or encourage small groups as some kind of a gimmick. Um, It's not because it's the newest fad and we're trying to be cool or trying to be in style. This as honest as I can say it, is the reason we push, we promote, we encourage small groups. The reason is because we think they are not just important, but vitally important to your walk with Jesus. Vitally important. And so when we say small group, you got to think about a group of people doing life together. Another word for that would be community. We firmly believe that the Bible teaches, like straight from the Bible, That humanity is created with this need for other people, this need for relationships. It's in our very design. So if you go to the beginning, uh, two chapters in, you're in the book of Genesis. Um, Adam's all by himself. God looks at Adam and he says, it is not good for man to what? Be alone, right? So from the very beginning, there's this. God looks at everything that's good. Adam's alone and says, he says, that's not good. So I'm going to create Eve to help him. Ladies, I, I, I need to talk to you, okay? It's part of our design to need other people. It's not because we needed help driving, okay? <laughs> now, listen, real quick. If you're single, I'm about to equip you for marriage, okay? I, I, if you can figure this part out, because I'm 15 years in and I, I haven't. If you can figure this part out, you're going to be so far ahead. This is how you sum up marriage right here. Marriage is where you gasp while your husband is driving, and he gets super annoyed over and over until you die. <laughs> where my husband's at, right? Hey, one of the small groups, it's a recovery group for husbands of wives who gasp. And what we're going to do, we're going to eat and tell the thousands upon thousands of stories of the unnecessary gas that our wives contribute as we are carefully and thoughtfully driving down the road. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But for real, okay? All right. Go, go back to that text in Genesis. It's super important because I, I need you just to, to wrap your mind around the significance of this. Relationships are so important because there's something in the fabric of humanity that God put there to where we need other people. And so it's not just a good idea. It's not even necessarily a Christian idea. It's something about being a human that we need other people. So as honest as I can say it, every human being, regardless if they even follow Jesus or not, every human being has something deep inside them to where we need other people in our lives. We are made for relationship and having the right people around you strengthens you way beyond standing alone. This is the core belief behind the, the reason why we are pushing, we are promoting, we are encouraging small groups because we absolutely need each other. Um, I did a series uh, last uh, semester with the students, and this line is not original with me, but I think it's so powerful. And the line is this, 
If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you show me your friends, I will show you your future. It's true of students. It's absolutely true of adults as well. So here's what I want you to do, just kind of as an exercise in your mind. I want you to try to think about the five most dominant voices in your life. Think about the people who, who maybe have the most influence, who when they speak, you listen, right? The five most dominant voices to where if they kind of say something negative, that's where it hurts the worst. The, the five people in your life who you would say are the most dominant voices in your life. If you want to see your trajectory, you simply have to look at those five most influential people and see who they are, how they are, what makes them up, what they value, right? The five most dominant people in your life is gonna help set the trajectory of your life. So think about your relationship with God. If, if the five most dominant voices in your life are casual Christians, uh, the people who maybe call themselves a Christian, but then their life looks nothing like anything you see in the Bible. Like if that's you, if that's who you hang out with the most, if that's who has the most opinions, the most voice in your life, the likelihood that your spiritual life is thriving is probably pretty low. And your trajectory to continue on a spiritually healthy path is also very low because the five most dominant voices in your life are not headed in a spiritually healthy, biblically-based trajectory. Now, on the flip side, if the five most dominant voices in your life are people who absolutely love God, who are consistently in the Word, who are growing in their prayer life, who are connected to the church, who are trying to serve and make a difference, like if that's the five most dominant voices in your life, your trajectory and your potential has greatly increased because those dominant voices are going to be telling you and encourage you and, and helping you value the right things. Does that make sense? Okay. Here's why it matters, because we're made for relationship. And so you have dominant voices in your life. The question I'm asking you today is, are they the right voices in your life? Are they pushing you? Are they the right people in your life to push you to where you know for a fact you're supposed to be, to where God's calling you to be? Okay? So what I love about uh, 1 Samuel 14 is that the story kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a really incredible story. <laughs> my word this year is risk, and I hate that because it is so risky, and I do not want to do it, right? Uh, but like this story, if I put myself in their shoes, like they take a massive risk, and I just admire that. But in the midst of this story, you, you can learn some principles about the right kind of people that you need to, to surround yourself with to set yourself up to be in the place where you know God has called you to be. And so there's three main people in this story. There is King Saul. Uh, there's King Saul's son, Jonathan, and then there's Jonathan's armor bearer. And the context of this story is uh, the Israelites, which are God's people, have been fighting with the Philistines forever, okay? And in this context, the Philistines had been consistently winning and oppressing God's people. And so at this current stage, the Israelites are actually kind of like hiding and holed up in caves and, and they're, they're trying to fight back, but the Philistines are just winning, okay? And so if you're in 1 Samuel 14, we're gonna start with verse one and kind of set the stage, okay? The Bible says this, it says, one day, everybody say one day. Okay, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side, but he did not tell his father, okay? Let's just explain that real quick. Um, 
I think it's interesting that he didn't tell his father. Like, that's an interesting detail, but also it just kind of gives more insight into the context and into their relationship. Uh, and to be honest, their relationship was fractured at best. It was not healthy. Um, if, if it were today, we would say that Saul was an absent father. Like, he should have been one of the dominant voices in Jonathan's life, but there was just issue, and he wasn't, okay? And so some of you just sitting in this room, you probably had a dad like that. Like you had a dad who maybe passed early on and so you grew up without a father or maybe you've never met your father or maybe your dad just was there but he wasn't there. Like emotionally he was checked out. Um, maybe he should have been in, in a really dominant supporting role but he just wasn't. Or maybe it wasn't your dad but maybe, maybe there was somebody in your life who should have been a significant relationship, who should have been a dominant voice in your life. It could be a mom or a close friend or a spouse. They should have been there and they just weren't. Right? And because they weren't there, you've missed something. That's kind of what this verse is, is setting up. Like Jonathan, son of Saul, like, like he didn't tell his father. Like there's issue there, right? Saul was not who he was supposed to be. And when the Bible says one day, I think what it's teaching us is Jonathan's like, he didn't like where they were at with the Philistines beating them. He didn't like where they were at just sitting in camp. And he's like, you know what? Today's the day. Like, I'm sick of this. Like, I'm done with this. Like, I'm going to go do something about the situation that I am in, right? Like, I'm done. Like, one day, like, all right, this is it. Today's the day. I'm, I'm going today. And I just want to encourage you because I think some of you, that might be you right now. Like, we talk about relationships. We talk about your trajectory. We talk about where you are compared to where you want to be. And you just know Stuff is not right. And my prayer today is maybe one of you, maybe a group of you, maybe today is that one day for you where you say, enough's enough. I'm going to absolutely do and prioritize the things that I know God has asked me to, the things that I know I need, the things that I know are going to set me on a trajectory of spiritual health. I'm going to do it. Today is the day. And maybe that small group is that step you need to take to get the right people around you. But I'm getting ahead of myself, okay? Because the question is, not just is today the day, but how, how do we know who the right kind of people are? Like, how do we know that? Like, uh, if, you, if you want to know, see, so we're, we're built for relationships, so you're, you're probably going to have people around you, but how do you know that you have the right people around you? And then as the story goes, that we're going to point out three things that kind of help shape what it looks like for us to have the right people around us, all right? So, the first idea we see in this text is that the right people help us navigate temptations and obstacles. The right people help us navigate temptations and obstacles. Listen to verses 4 and 5 in that passage. It says, On each side of the pass that, pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozaz, the other Sinna. One cliff stood on the north toward Michmash, the other on the south toward Geba. All right, so... Jonathan and his armor bearer are setting out, right? Like the one day is happening. They're going to, to attack these Philistines. But what it's saying is the path that they're crossing, on each side there were some issues. Like there was just this one straight path. And so uh, one is called Bozes, the other is Sinna. And if you're a note taker, if you circle the word Bozes, that actually translates to the word slippery. And if you circle Sinna, that word actually translates to thorny. Okay, so you have a slippery slope on one side and you have a thorny side on the other. You can't really go either direction. They're going up this one path. So think about your spiritual life. 
on this journey with God, very often we, have, we find ourselves having to navigate the slippery slopes of temptation and the thorny obstacles um, of our spiritual enemy. Like we often find ourselves in that spot. If you don't have the right people in your life moving toward what God wants, it is so easy to get tripped up and to go to one side or the other. Like it's so easy. Listen, how many times have you heard somebody say, I never thought I'd end up here, right? How easy it is to slip and to start taking those steps in the wrong direction. It's easy. Temptation, obstacles, they're going to come. And when they come, you need the right people around you that can help you stay on course and stay headed to where you are supposed to go. Listen, some of you, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to get greedy in that business deal. You're going to get proud. You're going to do something stupid. You're going to start talking to somebody who's not your spouse. Listen, you're going to be tempted. And if you don't have the right pe- listen, sometimes you just need somebody to look you in the eye and say, hey, bro, like, what are you doing? Right? You need that. We all need that. It's the same, that's, it's the same for obstacles. Like you're going to hit a wall at some point and you're not going to know what to do. You're not going to go know where to go. You're not, not going to have ever been in that spot before. And you're going to need other people to help you navigate those different obstacles that are going to come your way. Some of them from the enemy himself. You're going to need help. Some of you, you're just in a spot and what you need is the right people around you to come beside you and to help you stay on the path that you know God is asking you to walk. You need the right people in your life because the right people help you navigate temptations and obstacles, all right? Listen, here's number two. The second thing this text can teach us is that the right people help us overcome a wavering faith. The right people help us overcome a wavering faith. Um, I don't know about you, but some, there's these moments where I have the strongest faith possible, and there's these other times where I am full of doubts. I mean, full of doubts. This next passage that we're going to read, like you see Jonathan's faith, but then you see his uncertainty. And talking about risk, like this is the, the verses that I struggle with the most just in my own personality. Okay, y'all ready? Look at these verses. This is verse 6. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps, that is not a confident word if we're talking about attacking a Philistine outpost. I I don't want perhaps, I I want certainty. (laughs) He says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf, in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Man, there's nothing in me that's excited if, if I'm following somebody and they say, perhaps something good will happen, you know? Like, I just, I think you see his confidence, you see his faith, like, today's the day we're going to do something about it. But then he's like, yeah, perhaps God will come through. Like, he's not quite sure. Like, I don't know what to do with that. And that's why if I was there that day, if I was the armor bearer, I'd be like, can we, you know, talk about it? You know, process this, you know, like put on the whiteboard, pros and cons. We can just kind of go through it. Like, I just feel like I need that, right? Like, you see his faith, but then you see his uncertainty. Like, there's going to be these moments where your faith wavers, right? Where you're not as confident maybe as you want to be. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll come home and I can be as, like, I'm confident, like in my mind, I'm so confident. I'm like, Callie, I think God is leading us to do this. And as soon as I say it, I'm like, I think. Like, like it's like, I'm so confident until the words come out. And then I'll, all of a sudden I have all this waver. Like, I hope, I think, I'm not sure, perhaps, right? Like, I think we've been there. Like, like there's these moments in our lives, stuff happens and our faith 
just gets a little shaky. Every now and, now and then, you just need the right people to come and encourage you, right? I, I've heard this sentence that I don't know anybody who's encouraged too much. Like sometimes you just need somebody who looks you in the eye and gives you a word of encouragement that helps you step into what you know God is asking you to do. In our story, what, what's going to happen is Jonathan and the armor bearer are going to cross this path. They're actually going to attack the Philistine outpost two against 20, and they're going to win. Right? It's actually an incredible story of faith. God moves, God acts. But listen, like that started with, with Jonathan having like this kind of dream, this vision, like, hey, today's the day we're going, like, let's go, right? And they go and, and, and they attack, like God moves. But listen, come back to this room. Like some of you, I think, I think you know God's asking you to do some things. I think maybe you've got a dream, maybe you've got a vision, maybe you know the step of faith that God is asking you to take today. You just maybe are struggling to have the courage to actually take that step of faith. Agreed, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I think some of you just need that encouragement, right? Like, hey, God's saying it, step into it and see what God might do. So listen, Jonathan just said, perhaps the Lord will act right? Perhaps. This is what his armor bearer says in response. This is 1 Samuel 14, 7. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. I am with you, heart and soul. Listen, this is the heart of the whole message right here. What are the right people? The right people in your life are with you, heart and soul. Heart and soul. We're not talking about Facebook friends. <laughs> Do I need to clarify that? <laughs> hey, real talk. If I, there's some Facebook friends. If I see them in Walmart, I'm trying not to make eye contact, okay? Okay? <laughs> like, it's just me expressing my heart. I feel like it's a safe place where I can be honest, right? I struggle. But it's like, that's not a heart and soul. Like, that's not a relationship that we are talking about. Like, we're talking about something deep here, right? A heart and soul, brother or sister. We're talking about those people who are in your life. They know the good and the bad, and they're still walking with you through it. Listen, in all honesty, those first two points— most likely, if you're struggling with obstacles or temptations or a wavering faith, it almost always starts out very, very small. But as we give in to those things, they grow in our lives. And what started as a wavering faith or as a temptation, it eventually becomes this full-grown doubt and straight unbelief. Like it grows in your life. And sometimes you just need somebody close to you that loves Jesus and that loves you who can encourage you and help you when that wavering faith comes. Sometimes you just need a heart and soul brother that says, hey, whatever God puts in your heart, I'm here with you. I am for you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to be here for a little bit. Then when it gets hard, I'm going to leave. Uh, when you're afraid, I'll stand by you. When you're stupid, I'll correct you. When you speak and believe that God has, uh, has spoken, I will confirm it. Like you need those people in your life, right? Like if you're unsure, I'll be a sounding board. When you're praying, I'm going to pray with you. You need a heart and soul brother sometime, sister sometimes, just to stand with you so you can navigate all that God has for you. Listen, when I'm praying for a miracle, when I'm praying for God to step in, right? When I'm praying for God to do something big, I want some heart heart and soul prayer warriors locking arms with me, going to battle, shaking the heavens with me, right? I don't want to be alone. Like I need those around me uh, just pursuing the throne room of God together. Listen, 
When you go through tragedy, and if it hadn't happened yet, it's coming for all of us. Like, it's just part of what it means to be a human. When you go through tragedy, you know what you need? You need some heart and soul brothers and sisters. When your teenage daughter comes home pregnant, when your kid gets hooked on drugs, right? You don't need judgment. You don't need somebody correcting your parenting skills for the last 10 years. What you need is a heart and soul brother and sister who says, hey, heart and soul, baby, I am with you. Let's pray this thing through. I've got your back. I love you. Amen. When you're married one day and your marriage gets on shaky ground, I've done a lot of marriage counseling. This is so easy to happen, right? When your marriage gets on shaky ground, what you don't need is people taking the husband's side, the wife's side, and causing more division in the marriage. What you need is a few people saying, heart and soul, I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not for you and against you. I am for both of you. I'm for your marriage. And we're gonna fight this thing through until God does something great. You need people with you, heart and soul, till the end. You don't need to be out there fighting that on your own. That's crazy talk. You need some people who can help hold your arms up and walk with you so that you can do and be all that God has asked you to do and be. I worked at a church in Odessa for 13 years before coming here. And so I call that my desert years, right? I was in the wilderness wandering and God liberated me and brought me back. Um, we did small groups there and um, it was after small group one night. Uh, some of our really good friends were still there and they were at our house. We were just kind of hanging out. And what happened is me and Callie, not that we were like in a terrible spot, we just had some conflict. You, know, you ever have the conflict, you, you have the same fight like every Thursday? Like, hey, it's Thursday. It's time to have the same fight we had last Thursday. Like, that's what we were in, that cycle where you kind of make up, but then you fight again about the exact same thing, right? It just over, we were in this cycle and we were just telling our friends and kind of just trying to be open, trying to work through it. And like looking back now, it's so much clearer to me. But in that moment, I could see Callie's mistakes. I could see all the things that I wanted her to fix. I could see all the things that, I, that she needed to do better. Like I could see all those things clearly. And it was almost like I had this posture where like, why am I gonna try to fix stuff if she's not gonna try to fix her stuff, right? Side note, terrible way to view your marriage. This sermon's not about marriage, but if that's the way you view your marriage, you're going back to some issues. Like, stay here for February. It's about relationships. It'll help, okay? That's not the way you view your marriage. If, if the only thing you see is all your spouse's uh, things they need to fix and you think you're doing awesome, you are blinded. All right, I'm, uh, I'm done. So in that moment, I could see Callie's mistakes. I could see the things that I wanted her to fix. And, I'm, and my posture was, why am I even going to try if she's not going to do her stuff first? And in that moment, I remember where I was sitting. I remember looking my friend in the eye. His name was Mike. And, and just in the most loving way he could, he said, hey, the husband goes first. And like in that moment, it's like the Holy Spirit just like ripped open my heart and just exposed like all the issues that I didn't even know were issues, right? Like I thought I could see my marriage as clear as, as day. Like it was so obvious to me the things that needed to be fixed and the things that needed to be changed. And he looked me in the eye and said, the husband goes first. And you know why that was so powerful? Because Jesus goes first. Jesus didn't expect the church to clean herself up before he went to the cross. Like he went to the cross, he laid down his life. He, he, he laid down his body and his blood so that the church might live, right? 
And so the husband, right, we go first, not based on what our wife does, not based on um, if she responds or not, not based on, hey, am I getting the credit? Is she, you know, is she noticing what I'm doing so I can get credit for all this good stuff? No, we lay our lives down and we go first because that's what Jesus has done for us and that's what God is calling us to do. And in that moment in my living room, it's like he said that little sentence, the husband goes first and like the Holy Spirit just ripped my heart open. And listen, I needed it. I needed a heart and soul brother who was willing to look me in the eye and to just shoot me straight and to be as honest with me as I could. And the Holy Spirit did something significant and it was a turning point in the way I understood my role in our marriage. I knew the verses, I could quote Ephesians 5, but the Holy Spirit did something there because I had a heart and soul brother who was willing to love me well. We need that guys. You don't always see everything as clear as you think you will. You don't. Like, you could be absolutely convinced that you're right, and you could be dead wrong. And sometimes you just need somebody else to come in and say, I love you. You're wrong. <laughs> and just watch what the Holy Spirit might do. Hey, listen. These small groups aren't a gimmick. We're trying to organize the church in such a way that you can put the right kind of people around you so that your faith might be set on a trajectory that is unlike anything you've ever experienced, where you can be in the presence of God, where you can be deeply connected to other people, where you could do and be all that God has designed you to do and to be. I think small groups may be the truest and purest form of the church because they're the space for people to share the good and the bad and then just take whatever step of faith. You realize God's not asking you to, to be me. He's asking you to be you. And he's asking you to take your step of faith, not my step of faith. And so these small groups become these places where you can take the step of faith that Jesus is asking you to help, to take. And listen, as we walk, we're gonna stumble. Just like, you know, our kids, as they are learning to walk, they stumble, but they just need some guidance. You need some correction. You need somebody to pick you back up. You need some encouragement. You need some heart and soul brothers and sisters who are gonna love you through the good and the bad. You do not have the strength to do this faith alone. Number one, it's not in your design. Number two, it's impossible. You can't possibly obey the New Testament commands that are given to a group of people, the church, when you're all by yourself on an island. You cannot faithfully obey all that Jesus has commanded you if you're not in deep relationships. You need some heart and soul people to come alongside you and to say, I will help carry you. I will sustain you. Some of you are thinking, I ain't got time for that, right? You look at your schedule, you look at all. Honesty, you don't have time not to have time. You don't have time not to have time. Listen, you not, not getting, you saying, I want to have a thriving relationship with Jesus, but I'm not going to have deep relationships with other people. That's as absurd as saying, I'm going to drive a car, but I'm never filling up with gas. Never. There's going to, there's going to come a time when you just hit a wall and you can't go no further right? You need other people. It's in your design. You might not need a lot of people, but you need people, all right? You need people. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Would you bow your heads with me? So if you're a Christian, I just want to challenge you right here. 
Okay, if you know Jesus, my challenge for you today is to prayerfully ask God which small group he wants you to join and then go back there and sign up for it and then commit to being there this semester and just see what God might do if you go 100% in with him, right? Listen, it's not always gonna be, you know, roses. There's gonna be difficult times. People are difficult, but you take that step of faith and man, God does something with that. So if you're a Christian, what is God asking you to do? I recently read that the opposite of fear is not courage, it is faith. What step of faith, Christian, are you needing to take today? If you are not a believer, um, what I hope you heard today is that this church is serious about following Jesus. The heart of this church is that we're not gonna fake our spiritual life, but that we're gonna run hard after Jesus and experience all that he would have for us. And so if you're not a Christian, I don't know what's holding you back, but I know this. Jesus loves you more than you could imagine, and he's inviting you right now to put your faith and your trust in him. Jesus never guarantees that our lives will be easy, but he does guarantee that he will be with you and that he is more than enough. And there's people in this room who absolutely have lived that, that Jesus is more than enough. So listen, if you don't know Jesus, if you want to put your faith in him, I just want to give you a chance, right? I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer and I want you to, to pray it with me if you want to receive Jesus. If you're a Christian, you do not need to do this. But if you want to become a Christian, I want to lead you in a prayer. Just saying the words doesn't save you, but believing them in your heart is, you know, God does something with that when you come to him by faith and put your trust in him. So with everyone's head bowed, with your eyes are closed, if you're not a believer, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I acknowledge my sin before you. I do not have the ability to save myself or to make payment for my sin. I believe you know me and love me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose the third day. I wanna put my faith and trust in you and give my life to you, amen.